we can see here in verse number one, it says that it's a story about the grace of God that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Now, Macedonia is a region, right? Uh, it would be not like a province, but it would be just kind of a small corner of the world. So when it's speaking of Macedonia, it's not talking about a town. Um, matter of fact, if we take our Bibles and we go back to Acts chapter number um, 16, we're going to see where the gospel first went to the Macedonians. Okay, we're going to see what is commonly referred to as the Macedonian call. Okay, so we're going to see that. And it says in chapter 16 and verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And as we go into verse number 12, it talks about the first city of Macedonia that they come to, which is the city of Philippi. It says in verse 12, and from thence to Philippi, which is the chief city of that part of Macedonia and a colony. And we were in that city abiding certain days. And on the Sabbath, we went out of the city by a riverside where prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake unto the women which resorted thither. And it goes on and it begins to describe the story of how Paul began to preach and he began to preach the gospel and he witnessed, he witnessed to the first lady that got saved there. Her, her name was Lydia. And then they cast out a demon out of this one girl and she was being used to tell the future. Um, and she had some masters, the Bible said, that used her to try to trick people into telling them the future. And so Paul cast this demon out as the story goes. And they were so upset that they thought that they were going to lose money over what had just happened that they ended up telling the authorities about Paul and Silas. And they made up a bunch of stuff about them. And so they got arrested and they were put into the Philippian jail and they were beaten, okay? And that's where the earthquake came. And uh, after the earthquake, it shook the jail and, and all of their bonds were loosened, right? All of their chains were broken and the stocks that were holding them were broken and they had an opportunity to run away. And we can see in the story, it says in verse number 28, but Paul cried with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling fell down before Paul and Silas, this is the, the jailer, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. This is the start of the church at Philippi in the region of Macedonia. There were also churches in another city called Berea, right? Bereans, they're called. Um, and also the Thessalonians were also in that particular region. So there's a collection of cities. And um, so when we're reading about this group of people 
in 2 Corinthians, it's talking about this group, these Macedonians. In their church, they they had this incredible ability from God to do something specific. They had the grace of God upon them. Um, and so we're going to look at that. Now, keep, keep in mind also, this church, the Philippian church, started here in Acts chapter number 16. There's also the book of the Bible called the Philippians, right? That is written to this church. Now, isn't it interesting that Paul wrote the book of Philippians when he was in jail <laughs> to the people when he was in that he, originally he was in jail in that town, right? So there's jail connected to all of this and everything. Anyway, we don't have time to go through the entire story, but this is the group of people here, okay? This is a church that Paul started uh, by, obviously with some helpers and with the Lord's help, but he went there to preach the gospel to them. Churches are started when the gospel is preached, okay? And that's what we learned last week um, when we looked at Matthew chapter number 28. This is called the Great Commission, Matthew 28 and verse number 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Now, that was the command of Jesus. We can see Paul, the Apostle Paul, was following that command. He was called to take the gospel to the Gentile world. He was not called primarily to the Jewish population. He was called to the Gentile world. So he went throughout the known world. When he got to a new city, he began to preach the gospel to them. What is the gospel? What is it? What was Paul's message? Paul's message was the gospel of the grace of Jesus Christ and that Jesus Christ was God's son. He came and he died on a cross, not because of his sin, but for our sins, for the sins of mankind. He died on the cross to pay for our sins. He was buried and he rose again from the dead the third day. And he was seen of over 500 brethren at once, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. This was the message that Paul spread. He did not go to spread the news of religion. Religion is not good news. Religion is rules. Religion is guilt. Amen. Religion is not fun. Religion doesn't bring joy. Religion, when you show up to a place that only teaches religion and not grace, you show up and you, you come in feeling bad and you leave feeling worse. God is angry. God says you're not doing enough. God is going to punish you. And you must do this. And you must do that. And you must uh, uh, try to do better. And you must do these rituals. And you must give money. Praise God when we're talking about giving to missions. It is not for the purpose so that we ourselves can go to heaven. Because the Bible says in Peter that we are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. But with the precious blood of Christ. That is how we were redeemed. We love to sing songs here at Sparrow Baptist Church about the blood of Christ because it is with the death of Jesus Christ that we are saved. When Jesus died on the cross, he took our place. He took our penalty. 
He said to the father, I will be the innocent sacrifice. I will be the victim. Listen, when, when there's so many people in the world and there's a lot of focus right now about being a victim and it certainly is true. But how do we find true healing when we've been victimized? Is because Christ is the one that became the ultimate victim for us. Ah, this is true. He's the one that took our sin. And when we find and we come to him and say, I'm not going to try to pay for my sin. I'm not going to try to use religion to find favor with God. I'm not going to use religion to try to clean myself up and make myself worthy. I am coming in simple faith to Christ that what he has finished on the cross and by rising from the dead, that what he has finished is a free gift to me that I just simply must receive by faith. I come to him and say, you have completely paid for all of my cleansing and all of my uh, guilt and all of my sin before God. And when I come to him in simple faith, he gives me the free gift of salvation. Amen. That's what the Bible teaches in regards to what is the gospel. Uh, It is something that Christ did for us. And this action is, again, is not because we deserve it. It's quite the opposite. It's a free gift to those who don't deserve it. It's a free gift to those who deserve it the least. It's a free gift to those of us who are sinners. We can see another verse in regards to this in Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two. It says in verse eight and nine, for by grace are ye saved through faith. Now, faith is not just an intellectual thing. You do have to understand some facts and believe some facts. But faith is where I am willing to take what God says and I'm willing to trust him and trust Christ. Faith is something where God teaches me about my condition as a sinner and I'm not going to trust in myself. I'm going to trust and believe on what Jesus Christ has done for me. So it says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So we see there are two sides here. Salvation is either by works, which is religion, And some people say, well, I'm not religious, but we all still strive to be good people. There are different rules that we have for ourselves and say, well, I would never say that. And I would never do that. And I would never go there. And I would never think that. And I would never put that on a Facebook post. Why? Oh, because I'm just not that kind of person. I'm a good person. There's nothing wrong with that. As a matter of fact, we prefer each other to be good people. Right? I want to hang around good people, and I'm sure you do as well. I don't want to hang out with nasty people that just don't care. Right? Uh, but here's the thing, is that though we may approve of one another, that does not mean that God automatically approves of us. Okay? Because God is righteous, and God is holy. But God has provided a thorough and complete cleansing in Jesus Christ, his son. 
And it's not because we deserve it. It is because of the grace of God. So we see two sides. It's either works, not of works, the Bible says, or grace. And that's the choice. That was the message of Paul when he went into Macedonia. Guys, isn't it? it we, you say, Pastor, get to 2 Corinthians 8 and let's, let's get into it. No, no, no. It all starts with this first. Because we cannot give by grace if we are not first saved by grace. The gospel is the foundation. The gospel is the root of all of the fruit. That sounds like a nice little jingle. It's not even in my notes. That was just the Lord right there, right? The gospel is the root of all the fruit. I can't give by grace. I can't be generous. I can't allow, I cannot expect God to energize me and help me, empower me, to be generous if first I have not received his grace in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. There are some people that strive to be good Christians and yet they've never actually trusted Christ. We must ask ourselves that as the very first question before we get into missions giving is, has there been a time in your life that you've received the grace of God? Well, I've kind of always believed in God. That's not what it's talking about. There has to be a moment. Thankfully, April and I, my wife, we've been married for 15 years. Can you believe it? Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah. You can't say, well, we've kind of always been married. No, that doesn't make any sense, does it? There's got to be a time when you receive one another. That's the same thing when the Bible talks about salvation. There's got to be a time when you receive Christ. Yes, I believe. Yes, I receive. Yes, I'm placing my faith and trust on you so that when I die, if what you have done, and I'm trusting you so much that if what you have done is not good enough to take me to heaven, I've got no other plan. I'm completely depending on you. Amen. That's what that means. So we go back to our passage in 2 Corinthians, in chapter 8. Now we've got to understand, we are just specifically in this passage talking about one thing. In order to truly understand the Bible, we have to take it within the context. Right? What does that mean? It means we have to kind of understand what the, what the whole piece is talking about. The whole paragraph. The whole several paragraphs. The topic. What is the topic of conversation here in this chapter? He's talking about grace. We've defined saving grace. Praise the Lord for that. That was the plan of Jesus from the very beginning, not only to die for our sins, but that the message of grace should be propagated and preached throughout the, throughout the entire world. And that's what Paul's doing. Now we notice that this is the book of 2 Corinthians. So when we're, we're, we're dealing with two different groups here, the Corinthians, he's writing them a letter. But then he begins to talk about the Macedonians. They're the example. Guys, can I just remind us, you and me, we are the example to someone else. Our faith is either an example to someone or our lack of faith is an example to someone. The Macedonians 
unknowingly were an example to a church that was struggling to trust God in this area of finances. Now, when we look at the two different churches, the Macedonians were poor, but the Corinthians were pretty rich. Don't, we must not ever think that somehow our background, our circumstances dictate that we cannot live by faith. We can, to the ability that God gives us within our certain circumstances, to follow the Lord in every area. Now, before we get into this, it's interesting sometimes with Paul. He doesn't always necessarily lay things out in the logical order that perhaps we think we would prefer them to be laid out in, in that particular sense. Sometimes it's like, well, Paul, I wish you'd have said this first and this second and this first and this second. But he does it for a particular reason. The Bible says that the word of God is inspired, right? So this is God's word. And the first thing God wants, to, God wants us to see when it comes to this particular story is this. The source of their empowerment is God's grace. You think, well, because for me, look at verse number seven. It says, therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, and utterance and in knowledge and in all diligence and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. The apostle Paul says this, he says, you guys have grown in your Christian life in so many areas you Corinthians have. And even remember, this is second Corinthians. First Corinthians, man, he dealt with all kinds of stuff. All kinds of stuff. And so right here, he's saying, you guys have grown so much but you need to grow in this grace also. You need to grow in this grace also. He's teaching them the empowerment. The source of empowerment is God's grace. Whether we're talking about finances or some other area in your life, we are not the power. Thank God we are not the power. Christianity is not self-help. There's no self about it. It is Christ. It is his grace. It is me. Listen, Christianity is not me growing stronger. It's actually me growing smaller and him getting bigger. It's me going from, in my mind, I'm an adult. I understand everything. Rah, 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 rah. Right? It's actually me going from strength down to kind of childhood. The Bible says, and we read this in the first session, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. The strongest Christian is the one that's actually the smallest in their own mind. They're small. God is really big. I need your help. I need your grace. I depend on you. It's not me coming to God for some spiritual techniques, a little bit of knowledge so that I can take them like a tool bag in my life and I can go and fix my life. No, 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 no. It's me coming to God saying, I don't have a clue what I'm doing. I'm never going to have a clue what I'm doing. I'm coming to you. I'm asking you to rebuild me from scratch. And I'm depending on you to help me do that. Do we understand that? Okay. The empowerment. Pastor, how am I going to grow? The source of the empowerment is God's grace. Now, one of the most beautiful verses on grace is just over in chapter 9. And verse number eight, 
Highlight this one in your Bible, whether it's a printed copy or a digital copy. This is an amazing verse on grace. Now, once again, the topic is talking about giving, but this can be applied to any area in life because we need God's grace no matter what it is. We need his help. We need his empowerment. It says in verse number eight, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you that ye always, not just on Sundays, thank God, that she always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. What a verse. Uh, Pastor, how much empowerment is there for me to do what God wants me to do? All grace. All empowerment. You see, the problem is, and the reason we fail in, in, in the Christian life is, 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 is not because there's a lack of God's want to help us. His want to is all there. The ability is all there. The power is all there. It's because we actually just don't go to him for it. The, listen, the, the petrol station, the gas station is never empty. We just ding, right? The gas is out in your vehicle. You got to go to the gas station. There are some countries you go to the gas station and there isn't any gas there, right? Because the economics of the country just are, that's the way it is. But in Canada, that's not generally been a problem. I ran out of gas again. That government. That government. Look, you, come on. There's nothing wrong with the government. You got to get your car to the gas station. Do we understand that? So when it comes to empowerment to do what God wants me to do, empowerment to do the right thing. I can't blame God. I've just got to show up and say, God, I need your help. The empowerment is there. And sometimes we give the excuse, well, I'm doing pretty good in this, 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 and this. And like it says in the passage, yeah, but God wants you to grow in these other areas too. Can we say, let's be willing to grow in the areas and ask God for help in the areas that we may be weak in or that we're failing in. God, would you help me please? I'm not good at this. Would you help me, please? Well, how much help is available? All help, all grace, all sufficiency. Never is going to run out. Well, today I'm doing pretty good. What about tomorrow? All sufficiency. Man, what a God. What a God. What a promise. Next, we see their eternal focus. Their eternal focus. It says here in verse 4, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Now, talking about the money. They, they made a collection, okay? It says, and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. Fellowship. We're joining in together in order to help the saints. Now, this, this offering was for two reasons. Because the, the poor saints at Jerusalem talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. So this offering was for two reasons. One, it was a charity offering. It was a charity offering in order to give to people in Jerusalem that were suffering. Okay, there was great persecution in Jerusalem. This happened years after Christ died on the cross. It was very difficult for those saints because of the persecution. Okay, they couldn't go about life as normal. They couldn't just go ahead and do um, everything that they normally did. And so because of their financial need, the... 
again, the example, these really poor Macedonians said, hey, we're going to take up an offering. And we're going to give a love offering, a charity offering to these saints. Guys, listen, when it comes to being charitable, Christians should be charitable. We should give to those in need. Well, what are they going to do with it? Does it really matter? Why? Because we're giving it to the Lord. We're not giving it to them. I'm not saying let's be irresponsible. But the Bible says that we need to give as unto the Lord. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9 and verse number 7. It says, let every, every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Why should Christians be generous? Why should we be charitable? Because that person's going to appreciate it and spend it wisely? Not necessarily. Because God loves a cheerful giver. You say, well, I'm still not convinced. Look at chapter 8 and verse number 9. It says, for, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Christ gave it all. He gave his entire self. He gave his body. He gave his soul. He gave his spirit to be an offering for our sin. There was nothing that he held back. Why? Because that's what God wanted it. He gave himself to us for our sins. Really what he was doing though, so he's giving himself to God. He was sacrificing himself to God for us. He withheld nothing. Why did you do it, Jesus? I did it to please the Father. This is the will of the Father. This is the reason why I came. This is what Christmas is all about, right? And so we need to understand that when it comes to giving, we do need to give wisely. We do need to give to legitimate needs. Certainly not saying throw it away. What I'm saying is that we primarily give unto the Lord. We primarily give unto the Lord. It says... They had an eternal focus. Let me show you another passage. So we're going to go to Philippians in your Bible. Chapter four, Philippians chapter four. Now remember, this is the same group. So Macedonia is the area, right? We could, let's say Southern Ontario, something like that, right? Uh, So we've got Macedonia, which is the area. Philippi is one of the towns in that area. And so the book of Philippians was written about these same Macedonian believers. Does that make sense? Kind of? Okay. So they gave to help the poor saints at Jerusalem. Okay. They gave a charity offering, but we see the second reason that they gave. And the second reason that they gave was so that Paul could preach the gospel. This is where we get the idea of giving to missions. This is it. Where do we get it from? 
Pastor, teach us why should we give to missions? Uh, one of the reasons that we are a Baptist, right? You can take the word Baptist and make acronyms, right? The first word, the first letter B, we always, biblical authority. Why do we do what we do? Because the Bible teaches that. That's why we do what we do. That's why we believe what we believe. That's why we do what we do is because the Bible teaches it. Where does it teach giving to missions? This is one of the passages that teaches about giving to propagate the gospel in other areas. We can see where God taught us to be charitable to those in need, but also in Philippians 4, and it says in verse number 10, it says, but I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Now he's saying here when he's saying your care of me, we'll see in just a moment, he's talking about finances. So this church, this Philippian church, a part of the group in the area of Macedonia, were financially supporting Paul so that he could preach the gospel in other areas. This is one reason why we support missionaries. So they can go. They, they don't have to worry about working a job in order to stay alive and make a living, right? Um, they, we, we support them so that they and they can preach the gospel in other places, okay? So we can see in verse number 11. Now, notice in verse number 10, it says that your care of me hath flourished again. What does that mean? means that their, their giving kind of went up and down. They were generous and then they, just, they, they, they didn't have any way to give. And then they were generous and then and it kind of went, went up and down. It, it flourished and then it kind of went down. Now, why is Paul bringing this up? And we're going to see why he's bringing this up. Verse 11. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I've learned in whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. So he's saying, look, I'm not bringing this up because I'm in dreadful need and I'm asking you for money. He's like, God has taught me to be content no matter how much money I have in my pocket. That's a great lesson for, for all of us to learn. Okay. Um, verse 12, I know both how to be abased. I know how to live like a poor person and be content. Man, what a great lesson that is. That's what he's saying. And I know how to abound. I know to have quite a bit of money in my pocket and for it not to go to my head. For me not to become self-reliant. I don't need God anymore. Faith, I don't really need that right now. That's, that's, he's saying, I know both how to be abased. I know how to be humbled and, and to be poor. And I know both. And I also know how to have money in my pocket and for me to be wise with it and not create this sense of self-reliance. He says, everywhere and in all things, I'm instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Now that verse was not written so that people can play good basketball. Amen. Praise God for that. We all need to have a favorite Bible verse, and that's perfectly fine that people have favorite Bible verses. But the primary reason this verse was written was for Paul to teach a church that he had started 
that I'm depending on Christ to take care of me. I can go through whatever God is having me go through right now because I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Isn't that good? Now, look, and perhaps you've never seen that in that particular context before. Doesn't that verse even appear more powerful than perhaps it has before? Why? Well, because, I mean, we're talking about money. We're talking about real life. We're not just talking about happy feelings and sad feelings. We're talking about real life stuff. Say, well, pastor, I know I work six jobs. No, I don't think you work six jobs. I work six jobs and seven on Sunday. So when we're talking about finances and trusting God, but some people don't follow God because they, they think they need money. And Paul says, look, money is not what I need. What I need is Christ. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. He didn't say I can do all things through your money, so I'm going to make you feel guilty and you better give. He didn't say that, did he? Look, can you see where the Apostle Paul is a missionary in his spiritual maturity? Is coming to them as an example of faith? And saying, look, if you guys give, praise the Lord. If you don't give, praise the Lord, because Christ is going to take care of me, whether you give or don't give. So why is he bringing it up? Now, remember, this is the same group of people that he's using as an example back for the Macedonians. Right? Same group. He's talking to the same group. He wants to teach them that you, if you have Christ and you, and you depend on him, that he is all that you need. Can, church, can we, can we agree that that's a really important lesson for the Christian to learn and believe? Verse 14. Notwithstanding, you have well done that ye did communicate with my affliction. Now communicate here in just a moment, we're going to realize he's not talking about talking back and forth, right? Communication. He's talking about giving. Communicate is kind of a, a very proper way back in old English to say, you're given to me financially. Okay, verse 15. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, okay, once again, talking about the same group, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. So he's saying, hey, you guys remember back when I left, you guys gave to me. And he's using the same church as an example of giving to the Corinthians. This is where we get the idea of giving to missions. They gave. Now he's encouraging them to continue to do so, not because he's desperate for their money, because he's got Christ and Jesus has always taken care of Paul. So why is he encouraging it? So that people can hear the gospel. Yes, that is a part of it, but that's not what he talks about in this passage. Verse 16. For even in Thessalonica, ye sent once and again unto my necessity. So there were several times that they sent to him because he needed help. Verse 17. Not because I desire a gift, but I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Were they giving to Paul? Yeah, they were. What fruit was he talking about? I desire fruit that may abound to your account. 
So when the Macedonians, and specifically the church at Philippi, were collecting money and giving it to Paul, Paul says, I have a desire that you continue to do this, and it's not because I'm greedy, and it's not because I'm desperate for money, because I've learned that I can trust Christ to take care of me no matter what's going on. But the reason why I really want you to keep this up, guys, is because in being generous in regards to missions, it develops spiritual fruit in your life that does not otherwise develop. I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Now, we can see this in two ways. One, when Paul goes out there and gives the gospel to people and they trust Christ, God traces that sacrifice and that giving all the way back to those who helped to enable to financially enable him to do that. It's like they're partners. We're, we can work jobs, and that's what God's plan for us is, and we can contribute to missions. And Paul says, well, my calling is to go out. So we can see there's a partnership here. I'll go, you stay, and you supply as God directs you. And together we go, and then Paul goes and preaches the gospel, and people get saved, and God says, man, that's good. That, that I see my son in that sacrifice. I see that unity. I see that system. I see that grace. And God then, he is pleased with both the one who goes and preaches and the one who stays and gives. He is pleased and we all get credit, if you want to think of it that way. But also it develops spiritual fruit in our own life. Remember, they have an eternal focus and they're all empowered to do this. Now look at verse 18 and we'll be done here in just a moment. But I have all in abound. Now here, 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 Paul, I don't get it. You keep saying you, have, you don't have really have any needs and you have everything and you abound. But then on the other hand, you're saying, yeah, you need to keep giving. There, there, there seems to be some confusion. He's talking about the spiritual focus. He's talking about the focus on him depending. He's not depending on the Philippian church to meet his needs. Who is he depending on? He's depending on God. He's asking the Philippian church, hey, let's both depend on God in order to see the gospel preached and the ministry continue. That's what he's saying. Let's both continue to depend on God. Let me tell you something. When we give, when we give and we can learn this same lesson that Paul's teaching us here, that God is supplying all of my need. I'm giving money to missions, but I don't really seem to miss it in my finances. How is this possible? Now, I know we've got people in the room here that could share testimony after testimony after testimony that know that this is true from their experience. How is it possible for us to give away and yet never suffer need? And he teaches them this lesson. They get spiritual benefits, spiritual fruit. Listen, when we give and God continues to meet our need, even though we are giving to what's important to him, it develops a relationship between you and God that would not otherwise be there. And Paul says, I want you to know that kind of fruitful relationship with God. 
Pastor, my relationship with God is dead. How about you try giving? Or are you trusting in your money more than you're trusting in God? Oh, pastor, are you trying to, you're just, this is a greedy church. No, it's not. No, it's not. Because it's between you and the Lord. We're not talking about amounts. (laughs) You know what? Whenever I feel like that my relationship with my wife is just a little bit cold. You know what I do, Miss Joan? I go buy her something. Are you trying to buy her love? No, I'm not. I'm trying to express my love. That's right. And he's teaching them the same thing. He's like, good. Like, guys, look, I understand it goes up and down sometimes. And that's okay. And it's not because I'm desperate. I'm not trying to pump you for money here. But I'm trying to tell you, man, you guys really need the spiritual fruit that you get out of this. You get so much more out of being a giver than of us just sitting there, sitting back and being a taker. We, listen, this is an opportunity, guys, for our church to decide, are we going to be takers? Or are we going to be givers? Well, which one's better? Well, the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive. We'll finish up these couple of verses and we'll be done. He says in verse 18, I have all and abound. I am full, he says. Having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell. Now he's likening this to an Old Testament sacrifice. It says a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. You see where we constantly are seeing when we give, who are we giving to? We're giving to that missionary. Uh, kind of. Well, we're giving so those people can get saved over in China. Well, yeah, kind of. But we're primarily giving to God. We're giving to God. Now, once again, we see an incredible, it finishes off on a verse on grace. It starts with grace. It ends with grace. But my God, now again, within the context, this verse makes so much more sense, so powerful. But my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. His riches and glory. Far too often we are spiritually poor because we're trying to live based on our riches. Whereas if we would say, God, what do you want me to do? God says, well, I'll empower you to give this. Even outside the area of finances. I'll empower you to do this. Well, how do I I know it's going to work? But my God shall supply all of your need. What need? What need? Any need. Whose supply? His supply. That's what grace is. Grace is his supply, not your supply. But you have to be willing to trust him for it. As he leads you and as he moves you individually, Paul says there is an incredible richness in Christianity that you could obtain if you were just willing to trust God's supply and not your supply. And realize it's not a selfish thing. 
I really want you guys to enjoy this incredible aspect of God's grace. Let's bow our heads, please, and close our eyes.